1: Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Danzial. Chris, who would have guessed it? Super Bowl Sunday, but the best game, the most exciting game of that day was not the football game going on in Tampa Bay, Florida. But it was actually a basketball game a couple hours earlier at Villanova, Pennsylvania. Nova, Georgetown, Big biggies, rivalry, meeting again. And it was, it was a pretty good one. It was a pretty good one.
0: Yeah, it was. I, I'm a betting man, as you know, Eugene, and I would have never bet in a million years that Villanova-Georgetown would have more intrigue and, I guess, excitement than Super Bowl. And it wasn't a good thing that it was exciting. I was kind of hoping for a nice, easy dub, and we were in a dogfight with Georgetown. All credit to them, and we'll, we'll get into that in a bit.
1: Yeah, I guess unless if you're a Tampa Bay fan or you're a Tom Brady fan, I guess you, you must have had like a field day on Sunday night. But yeah. to everybody else who's normal <laughs> wasn't the case.
0: No, 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 no. That game, that Super Bowl, boring. And everyone gives crap to the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Rams a couple of years ago where it was 13 to 3, but at least it was a one-score game throughout the entire game <laughs> until the very end. This was just nonsense. But this isn't a football podcast. This is a Villanova podcast, Eugene. So Villanova dub. So it's a good Super Bowl Sunday at the end of the day. It's okay.
1: Yeah. No ring for Tano. Brady won again. What is there to tell? We can't celebrate that. Nothing for us to celebrate there.
0: No, no, that's nothing. It's like the game never happened.
1: But what we can't celebrate and what we can't get enough of. Yeah, it was a close one on Sunday. Yeah, Nova won, which is always fun. But I can't get enough of big game. (laughs) Germain coming back again. Big boy status, big boy game on Sunday. Chris, this man was not just on a mission. He put the team on his back for a majority. And wow, a career high, 32 points. He was six for six from deep. Ended up shooting a three at the end there that threw it off from the perfect number. But cash money from deep. He's grabbing boards, dishing out assists, racking up steals, career game. Granted, he was 0-2 in some big dunks. What can you say? The man had a great all-around game, and it was a huge bright spot in that 84-74 to 74 win over the Hoyas.
0: Yeah, those two dunks. That would have been a nice exclamation mark to that type of game from him. I mean, I know one of them was in the middle of the first half where he kind of just was like, oh wow, I'm that open? And then just kind of flubbed it. And then at the end, at the very end, I think he went up too early and lost the ball and then hit off the rim. But Besides them, and besides the late three that threw him off for the perfect three-point uh, mark. I mean, what else can you say, dude? I, that was fantastic. Big game Jermaine on big game Sunday. I mean, come on. It is perfect. It's, it's a perfect lineup. And they needed, and Villanova needed every bit of it, man. They really did. 32 points, hitting threes left and right. And we all know the struggles that Jermaine has had from beyond the arc in years past and even into this year. But I felt legitimately confident in him shooting from beyond the arc. It's, with him, it's usually a no, 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 yes, yes, yes type thing. But on Sunday, I was like, yes, just give him the green light. Let him shoot everything. He was getting to the rim. And on the times that he did get to the rim and get stopped, and got stopped, he dished it out to the perimeter. I think it was probably his biggest assist of the day was towards the end. I believe it was like a one possession game. Jermaine gets to the basket. Georgetown clogs it up, clogs up the middle, kicks it out to a wide open Caleb Daniels, who sinks the three, which basically was the dagger at the end. I mean, that was just textbook. And he also had a nice feat to JRE on a nice set play where he drives in and then JRE came down the lane. And he gave it to him. So not only was he scoring, he was dishing as well. Grabbed a couple of keyboards. I mean, the man did it all. He, he, he really did. And after a performance against St. John's, he really needed someone to step up big time. And he did.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And if it weren't for him, Chris, I think we would have seen a repeat of that first game where Nova's trailing by 18 at halftime. It was a little tight, for sure, but at least we weren't down 18 at half or whatever it was.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, they were actually winning this time. Granted, it was only by two when it felt like at several times that Villanova was going to pull away and they could not put Georgetown away, which, was a, it's, which is a little concerning for down the road. A little concerning, especially following that St. John's game. But, you know, that's, that's fine. We, it's still early February. We got time. But at the same time, they did a pretty good job defensively on the perimeter. Inside, though, Eugene, oh boy. We got to talk about Cutis Wahab. That man had a meal ticket inside all day every day and there was no answer they Jerry tried couldn't stop him Drain Samuels tried couldn't stop him Eric Dixon played only three minutes maybe you could have trotted him out there just to just to switch it up I don't know if he does a better job probably in, in terms of size and actual size I, I would say he would, would have done a better job than those other two but I guess we all know, with Jay and his vets, not the biggest fan of that call. Dixon, when he was on the court, they'd go one for one. He looked perfectly fine, but he didn't get enough burn. And I would have loved to have seen him out there to stop Wahab. But, man, every time the ball was inside, it was just easy, The dude could have just stuck his arm up and just dropped the ball into the basket every single time. That was probably the one concerning thing defensively that I wasn't too about
1: yeah it seemed like georgetown tried to feed him a lot more this time around he was definitely felt a lot more assertive and he's a key guy no disrespect to him or to Trudy or who has been playing well going into mm. sunday but he was not that much of a factor the first time around felt like javon blair and jamarco pickett were trying really hard to just carry the team and wahab he had his buckets but not to the extent as sunday chris you like you said i mean this guy finished 17-7, and 8-11 for 11 on the floor. Very efficient, and it looked like, Chris, yeah, he, he had the all-access pass in the paint.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was not pretty whatsoever. And I don't know who Villanova's going to play down the line in March, but if they have a big-time center.
1: Yeah, like Luka Garza. <sighs> <If> you... <laughs> you that, I didn't want to does. say it, but you said it. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. you watch what he does to the other teams, and it's like, yeah, let's just uh, put them in the other side of the bracket. But no, on the committee, they'll be like,
0: yeah, eight seed Villanova's one. Yeah. <laughs> first round matchup. Yeah, you can just <laughs> you can just see the writing on the wall. They'll shrink the field to make sure Villanova, was like the first possible <laughs> game they get in there. Yeah, it was a little a little concerning, but I mean, otherwise, I I can't really complain. It, it didn't seem like defensively they were too out of whack. It, Javon Blair went seven of twenty from the field, and even though he was hitting early on, he kind of faded down the stretch, which is the exact thing I think he did against Villanova last time out. Jamarco Pickett, he had a good game. I mean, they're really – he was just pulling up from the elbow and he was just hitting. And true to your bio, man, we highlighted him. Like, if this guy can get going, this is going to be a close game. And what did he do? He came out in the second half, started firing. And I was like, oh, this game, this, they are not going to go away.
1: Yeah, they really never did. They really never did. And I guess you got to give it to Georgetown. Maybe their last couple of wins going into Sunday gave them the confidence. But they really never quit. Maybe it also had to do with the fact that Villanova was the team lined up Opposite of them, and as we know, rivalry games are always special. Doesn't matter what the records are. Props to Villanova, though. Jermaine Samuels, just a huge spark plug. Got to shout out some of the other guys. You have Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He finished with 14 points, 6 boards, 5 assists. Kong Gillespie, 12 points, 5 assists. Justin Moore had 10 points, 5 boards, and 4 assists. Honestly, it was just a better all-around game for the starting five versus that St. John's performance.
0: Certainly. certainly wasn't. They had to do it. Because Swider was the only one who played significant minutes off the bench. He came in uh, with six points and, and 24 it's a, minutes. Hits
1: him nice threes. Hits him nice he did. threes. I, he I'm did. liking what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's firing away, and he's actually connecting. This isn't, you know, like last year or even his freshman year, obviously. He hit a big three right after Daniels did to, like, officially put Georgetown away. So that was that was pretty nice. I forgot who. I think he created the shot on his own. I think he pumped fake things to his right and then yeah. shot it. I think that's what it went. Also, want to mention Jerry. I know you mentioned his stat line. You look at his stat line. If you didn't watch this game, you look at his stat line, 14.6 boards. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. I know Jerry could do better, but that's pretty good. But uh, watching him, it seems a little off, dude.
1: Yeah, offensively, I don't know what it is, man. I I, I think it's just a slump. I'm hoping it's just a slump. But, yeah, you got to think that eventually these things are going to start connecting.
0: Yeah, I think it was against – what was the – most recent – not the St. John's one. What was the game before St. John's? He, he looked pretty good. He was actually hitting – he was connecting on some shots. But otherwise, it, it, a lot of his, like, mid-range shots are just not falling at all. And they don't – they don't look particularly clean off the hand. Three-pointers, another 0 for the other day. I don't know. Just something seems off about him. And, I'm, I'm, and you're going to need him big time down the stretch. So, I mean, if you're going to get your bad games out against Georgetown and St. John's, be my guest. Just, just make sure you show up in March.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, don't worry, Chris. He'll grow a three-point shot overnight, like Pascal or Spellman did. Just <laughs> randomly hit the corner one day, and then wow! Please <laughs> shoot more. Why, why aren't you shooting the ball more? Yeah, take, take off. Go right. for it. Uh,
0: I, that would be nice. I mean, that would definitely put this team offensively into a another stratosphere. I would say, opens up a lot of things. Also, Colin. Nice little bounce-back game after his horrific game against St. John's. He only turned it over twice compared to, I believe, it was six times against St. John's. Hit his key free throws. Hit a couple threes. Don't remember where exactly in the game they were, but obviously they were big. And the one thing, though, that it just seemed like, I know he he took seven shots from the field, which seems pretty low for him. He's usually a more aggressive, offensive guy. I feel like he's taken more than seven shots on most, in most games this year, and even in the past, I mean, especially last year. And he did have five assists, but he just seemed more in a more passive, offensive role this time. He seemed a little gun-shy, especially in the beginning. He seemed to pass up a lot of threes that he would normally take, maybe a little bit more contested. So I guess after the St. John's game, I guess, eh, maybe probably just in the back of his head, but or maybe it was just the game plan. And obviously when Jermaine's rolling, might as well just feed him.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was just more of a product of big game Jermaine showing up on Sunday. So much fun. Whenever this guy goes off, I don't know what it is. I just like take extra pride and have so much joy in it. I guess it's because you've seen the kind of player he was and just his journey throughout his four years. So whenever he has a big night, it's always a fun time. Very reminiscent of that Marquette game without like fun levels of your yeah. big game Jermaine.
0: Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I think he, I think they mentioned on the broadcast that he surpassed his career high in this Georgetown game with 32 over the, his last career high, which was 29. And it was in that Marquette game. It, it was similar vibes for sure. Just no crowd and Georgetown's not right.
1: But it's always fun to beat the Hoyas.
0: Oh, it's always fun. 10 out of 10 would do again. My dad was uh, pretty happy with the performance <laughs> at the end of the day, despite how they got there. He's happy with the result. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a tight one for sure, but Nova clamping down towards the end there. They didn't allow a single shot to drop over the last two and a half minutes, and not only that, you have Georgetown go cold, only one of eight, while Nova hit six of their last eight, and that's just a recipe for disaster for the Hoyas, but a recipe for victory for the Cats who get back on track. It was nice to rinse our hands, you know, get that bad taste out of our mouths after that a horrendous Wednesday night against St. John's, which I'm still, like, at a daze that, that happened. But we can turn the page. We can move on. And now we got a Wednesday rematch against the Marquette Golden Eagles, which, Chris, I know yep. you got a, a little bit of affinity. You know, you, you, you like the you like the Wisconsin teams.
0: I do a little bit. But they let's have go. A, soft, a soft spot for them
1: what's going on with the Marquette Golden Eagles? What's the story with them? Give us a skinny here. It's been a while. We last saw them December 23rd. Mm-hmm. It was Nova's last game before they went on that crazy COVID break. Nova looked great there. But since that day, a lot has changed. What's going on with the Golden Eagles?
0: Yeah, they. I say it every year. They always seem to sell out their soul for one win against Villanova. And then after that, it all goes downhill for them. So after the Villanova game, for those who haven't been paying attention to, the team out in Milwaukee followed it up with a win against Georgetown. Then they lost against UConn. Then they won two in a row against Providence and St. John's, and things are starting to turn around. They even won at St. John's, which I believe is a notorious place for them where they usually lose. Then, after a two-game losing streak, they do what they do best, and they lost to DePaul at home. Very bad. You cannot do that. Cannot especially if you're trying to make any sort of noise in the Big East. You cannot be losing to DePaul at home. Then they proceeded to lose two more in a row after that, right back with Providence and St. John. So Providence and St. John's exacted revenge. Then they were able to squeak out a 3.1 against Butler and then gave Creighton a run for their money this past weekend, but ended up losing by three. So very up and down, mainly a little bit more downs than up in the past month or so for Marquette. I mean, you still got DJ Carton. Doing well volume wise, I will say his numbers are impressive. If you look at it, just 12.7 points, three and a half boards a game, and then 3.6 assists per game. You're like, okay, that's a pretty decent player, but then you look at his three point shooting percentage 31%, free throw percentage 73%, field goal percentage 45%. Need a little bit more. And from what I hear from my one friend. He seems to get he's, he seems to be a little bit of Andrew Rousey-esque in the sense it's more of a ball hog type thing, and he's not really distributing and creating and just kind of taking some bad shots here and there. But if there is a one bright spot offensively, and maybe for the future for Marquette, it's Dawson Garcia, freshman forward, averaging about 12 and a half points per game and six point rebounds per game. He's looked pretty darn good out there. Uh, Kobe McEwen, another guard averaging around 12.3 points per game. They also got the Eternal Senior and Jamal Kane. He's got 10.3 points per game, and Dio John, still thing, <laughs> averaging eight points a game and then six boards a game. Probably would expect a little bit more from him offensively at this point in his career, but, I mean, we all kind of view him as a defensive stalwart, and he seems to be doing a pretty good job at that.
1: Yeah, he certainly seems like he's doing a great job, especially inside. You look at Marquette. As a team, they're holding opponents to just 43.6% inside the arc, which is good for 14th in the country. So he's definitely been one of their key parts to that success. Unfortunately, though, they don't have one of the better three-point defenses. And as we know, Nova loves to shoot it up, sleep in the streets. And right now, it's looking like they're going to be shooting it up because this Marquette defense is actually ranked in the bottom 100 in terms of three-point D. So, Chris, do you think we're going to see a repeat of that dominant performance that nova had on december 23rd where they especially turned the dawn in the second half is that what you see coming do you think that this rematch will be a little bit tighter what's the deal
0: yes for those who don't remember last time out villanova did defeat marquette by 17 at marquette i do expect this time though i think the game's gonna be a little bit closer i just off the fact just on the Recent performances. I know Marquette's had a little bit of a skid, but they did perform pretty well against Creighton, and Creighton is a pretty decent team in this conference. So I think they're going to come out and I think they're going to hit their threes. At least darson Garcia is anyway. He seems to be lightening up for three this year, um, just hovering around 40%. So I think Garcia is going to give Villanova a big problem, but I think Villanova will. End up winning this just because I think they're just going to hit too many threes, kind of like the last game. They went 13 to 33 from beyond the arc in the last game. Uh, Colin was six of 11 and was pretty much carried the team in that regard. So I kind of expect a similar performance from him. Maybe Jermaine puts up another big game, Jermaine performance. That'd be nice. Would love to see Jerry get going again, especially against Theo John, because we all know how we feel about him. But I, I, I do. I do think this will be closer just because of how Villanova's been playing the past couple of games and and the fact that Marquette did win a game before they lost to Creighton and they'd give Creighton a run for their money. So a little bit closer, but I still think Villanova wins this at the end of the day.
1: I think Nova should win this one. I'm feeling pretty good about this. It's going to be at home this time. So I think it'll be even more of a comfortable win. I don't know, man. The whole thing with Wojo is just, what what's going on? Like, how's this team so <laughs> underwhelming year in and year out?
0: Yeah, man. It's – there hasn't been a coach in this conference recently that has done less with more than him. And Eugene, I think we've kind of been on the defend Wojo – not defend Wojo train, but we're like, give it time.
1: Sympathizers, sympathizers. Symp- yeah.
0: Sympathizers, Yeah. Right, give it time. Like he's had talent. Like maybe he's just finding his foot in coaching wise, and now now it's just it's bad. Especially after last year, he had to do better last year. Marcus Howard as a senior, it just wasn't it just wasn't working out. I the thing is the thing is with Marquette is they always have had a great offense since he took over, mainly because of Marcus Howard and Hauser Bros. Bros. Rousey despite what I just said about him. <laughs> like oh, who was uh, Kate and Reinhardt, whatever his name was uh, lots of throwback names there, but they've always had a good offense. They always shot well for three. And now that Marcus Howard's gone, they don't seem to be well for three anymore. And the offense seems to have disintegrated. And when you don't play good defense at all, to begin with, you're going to start tanking in the standings. And it's pretty apparent. And it seems that the fan base has had enough of them. It seems like the rest of the East has had enough of them in the sense it's like, uh, we're going kind to of feel bad for Marquette a little bit. Should probably make them better. But obviously the longer he stays, the better it is for Villanova. So extend Wojo in our opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shout outs to Marquette fans on Twitter. It's probably one of the more rowdy fan bases on Twitter. I'd say in terms of expressing their disdain for Wojo and yeah, Chris, I think we sympathized for Wojo maybe the last couple of years because I, I think the, the hot seed in their eyes started started cooking a little bit maybe after 2018. Mm-hmm. But then you look back at it and it's like wow, Wojo really is only made it to the biggie semifinals once. Right. Wow, he doesn't have any NCAA tournament wins. Like how how? <laughs> what what is his postseason record given the talent yeah. that they've had? So now I start to see where the Marquette fans are coming from. And then you look at this year, you start off Biggie's play with a big win on the road at Creighton, upsetting them. And then since then, it's just been a huge rough time. They're coming into <laughs> Wednesday's game, 9-10 and 10 overall, 5-10 and 10 in Biggie's play. And yeah, Chris, it looks like Nova should win this one. But we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see. The thing, we'll, just to, one more point on Wall I used to... After 2018, I was like, "All right, maybe it is a little bit of just bad luck." Or I should say, 2019. Maybe it's just a little bit of bad luck in March Madness. You look at 2017 in a 7-10 matchup. They ended up playing South Carolina, who ended up making the Final Four. So you're like, "All right, maybe they just ran into like a hot team." there. Then in 2019, when they made the tournament again, they were a five seed, and they ended up playing the most underrated 12 seed in recent memory in John Morant and Murray State. <laughs> And they got – you were there, Eugene. You saw them. They got destroyed. So <laughs> I was like, wow, that just seems to be pretty bad luck, right? But then you, you kind of peel back the layers like an onion, and you're like, eh. yeah, this team should be better, like consistently better. I will say, though, it was a it was a semi-decent coaching job in 2017 to even get them there. I mean, that was – I mean, you had the big win over Villanova at Marquette that year to kind of get them into the tournament. Probably – was. One of the deciding factors, anyway. But after that, it's just it's, no, very bad.
1: They did go to the NIT Final Four, I want to say, or the Elite Eight in the NIT yeah. a couple years ago. I remember I got asked if I wanted to go cover that. I was like, oh, I'm okay.
0: I'm nah, okay. Nah, nah, I'm, I'm alright. <laughs> no, nah, nah. yeah, it's the NIT. Oof. Yeah, glad we don't have to play in that.
1: This game will be on Wednesday, 9 p.m. tip off. Another late one. It'll be on FS1. No digging out the channel guide for CES Sports Network. Thank goodness. Chris, unfortunately, and I'm just going to full disclosure say this right now, there will not be an episode on Thursday, and I totally take full responsibility. I have some duty calls, some early Thursday morning assignments, so I will not be available for recording. So in the meantime, yeah, we can mail it in until Tuesday. But I want to go ahead and preview this Saturday's matchup against Creighton because it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a top 25 battle, and it's going to be the first time that we see Creighton all season long. The day is finally here where these two teams finally meet. McDermott, Wright, Creighton opening its doors to some fans, welcoming Villanova to the CHI Health Center. This Creighton team, they had a few ups and downs recently. They lost to Butler in overtime, followed by a loss to Providence. Then they went bounce back with a three game winning streak before dropping one at Georgetown last week. And then they were able to bounce back with a three point win over Marquette over the weekend. Chris, they're coming in 14 and 5, 10 and 4, in Big East play. A lot of people viewed them as the challenger to Nova going into the season. What's the skinny on them? Or what can we expect from these Blue Jays?
0: Well, you can expect a high flying offense with a slightly improved defense of the Creighton teams of the past. But they seem to be missing Tyshawn Alexander, especially on the defensive end, significantly. But without him, they are still making do and are doing an okay job. Maybe not as good as we thought they would be, but they still de- seem to be doing pretty well. You know, as you mentioned, Eugene 14 and 5 overall, 10 and 4 in the conference. Losses coming against Georgetown, which was this past Wednesday, which kind of had us a little bit in fear of Georgetown going into last weekend. Overtime loss to Butler, loss to Providence. And then they also lost to Marquette, as we just mentioned. So those are your four losses, beating every other team in the conference, except for Nova up at this point. They did play Kansas and almost won that game. I believe a late missed free throw by Marcus Egorowski for the opportunity to go to overtime, did not fall. And therefore, they were unable to beat who was number five at the time, Kansas. Otherwise, for Nakan, really haven't played anybody. Wins over North Dakota State, Omaha, Kennesaw State, Nebraska. Not much going on there. But individually, Denzel Mahoney is their leading scorer and longtime listeners of this podcast. Remember last year where we completely glossed over him and probably even made fun of him at some point. And he ended up dropping, what was it like 20 something in the last game against Villanova at, at Villanova. And yeah, yeah. Had, he was
1: a transfer who wasn't eligible until like midway through the season. And of course he comes in, I think his second game for Grayson was against yeah. Nova and had a great one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he, it wasn't a, it wasn't a one-time thing. He seems to be a pretty good player. He's leading the team with 15 points also contributing with about four and a half rebounds, shooting about 36% from three, on the field only about 41%, so maybe not as efficient as he would like, but he's still, he's, he's producing the volume, I guess. The leader, though, of this squad is Marcus Zegarowski, 14.8 points per game, deadly from three, about 40%. The dude can shoot, the dude could dish as well. He's averaging four and a half assists per game, leading the team. It's, it's going to be Marcus Segarowski's show, and I am completely terrified of him. He did have a little bit of an injury problem, I believe, in the beginning of the year. I think it's kind of subsided now. Good players are going to play well, and they always, we always seem to highlight one or two that we're just completely scared of. This is probably one of them in recent memory, though. I'm like, yeah, terrified of that guy. Damian Jefferson, also a solid con- contributor with about 12 points per game. Christian Bishop, who's developed pretty nicely for Creighton. I remember when he was just kind of riding the bench, maybe playing one or two minutes he's developed pretty well for them averaging about 11 points per game big presence inside and Mitch Ballack doesn't he's averaging about 10 points per game could have sworn he would be shooting a little bit better maybe even scoring a little bit more i would always peg him as the resident three point shooter but right now he's shooting 38.7% from beyond the arc which is really good i just always thought he would be like somewhere in like the 40s 45s cuz he just seems that's what he seems to be against Villanova every time we play them so those are pretty much your big five to worry about. That's your, that's their starting lineup. And uh, hopefully we don't have a Jacob Epperson <laughs> type performance from one of their bench guys or Denzel Mahoney bench performance from one of their guys. And uh, hopefully Villanova can come out on the winning end here.
1: Yeah. It's no surprise that this Creighton team is very good offensively. Like you mentioned, Chris Zagorowski. that's definitely a guy to be worried about Mitch Ballack though, to your point about him. Yeah, it's, it's been a little bit of a down year for him. I think everyone expected that as a senior, and especially just given his ever so rising three-point percentage throughout his career, they expected him to really take off and be that dangerous sniper. Yeah, you know, no doubt he can hit it, but you're right, Chris, his clip hasn't been as high as it was over the last two years. He can still make it, no doubt about that but a little bit of a disappointment where maybe he doesn't have the numbers or the points that people had expected from him this year Denzel Mahoney has been a great player he's been keeping up and uh, honestly it doesn't look like he'll be flying under the radar this year and yeah Christian Bishop has also been a nice surprise for this team Um, like you mentioned Chris someone who just kind of rode the bench or was kind of in the rotation but wasn't really a main part but him and Damian Jefferson, I have to say, they've been really stepping up, and have been nice complimentary pieces to Mahoney and Zagorowski. So what are your predictions? We know this team has a great offense. They're better defensively. Not as good as last year, I'd say. But what are your feelings for this? First time we're seeing this Blue Jay team, I don't really know what to expect. This one is going to be pretty tough. It's going to be on the road. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, probably – Villanova's first road test with fans since the Texas game. Because I believe, I think you told me, Gene Cre- Creighton is holding fans. They are hosting fans. Limited capacity, obviously, but.
1: Yeah, limited capacity. I think it's, well, according to Creighton reporters, it's restricted to 10% capacity, season ticket holders only. However, they can decline their tickets. I don't think anyone will for Nova, though. And if they decline the tickets, it then goes into basically first-come, first-served bases at the box office. So I guess it's nice in that there's a chance that the common folk can get in, too.
0: Gotcha. So there'll definitely be a little bit of a crowd there. Let's see how Villanova will respond. Yeah, like you said, Eugene, I just don't know what to expect from Creighton. Like, ever since Big East play started, they've been pretty Jekyll and Hyde-ish. I mean, you highlight the loss to Marquette. You had a close game against UConn, and UConn's... Pretty decent. So, like, that's not the worst thing in the world. Overtime win. Then you beat Z- barely beat Xavier, barely beat Providence. You lose to Butler. You lose to Providence. Then you barely beat UConn again. Then you were losing big time to Seton Hall before you had a huge turnaround there. Then you barely beat the Paul, <laughs> Struggle a little bit against against the Paul. Then you lose to Georgetown and then you beat Marquette. Now, look, when I say barely beat, I'm not. It's not trying to knock them they won the game so obviously kudos to them but they don't look as impressive but the whole time it's like oh they lost to Georgetown. oh they barely beat marquette oh they barely beat the paul the whole time back in my head when i'm seeing those scores they're going to come out firing and villanova and they're going to beat them down it's just it's just the thought in the head <laughs> that you just can't get by just i guess it's PTSD from from our college days you mean the fact that when wednesday's game hasn't happened yet probably Sway my decision a little bit. Obviously, Villanova goes out and looks like gangbusters against Marquette. I'm like, yeah, hell, hell yeah, let's run Villanova into Creighton and it won't be an issue. And obviously, Creighton does have a game against Georgetown tonight. So I say Villanova.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Chris, and that maybe Wednesday's game will definitely shape my perception for the weekend. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction. And I think we lose this one on the road, but I think we're going to bounce back and get them later. It's going to be a close one for sure but I'm going to give the slight edge to Creighton. However, my opinion can change depending on how we look on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I I really hope, though. I, I know I mentioned it against in the Marquette preview, but I really hope Jerry steps up this week, man. He's He's got to. Against Theo John, at least, you know, go at him, pack him, make him get frustrated, probably tee him up somehow, make him draw a technical. But against Creighton, this is like – the biggest, biggest game of the year up until this point. You got to go out there and and show up and really dominate Christian Bishop and Damian Jefferson. Show why, you know, you're one of the premier prospects in the country.
1: Yeah, I really hope JRE can really find his shooting stroke because as we've seen, when that guy's on, combined with his athletic and defensive prowess and his talent, oh, my God, this guy is looking like, you know, (laughs) first-round NBA draft Mm -hmm. pick. I would love to see him go off against Creighton. A great performance against a marquee matchup like that can help him out big time. And also, of course, it's it's fun whenever he's beasting out there on the court. I'm just a little worried about this Crane team. I know we said, oh, you know, maybe they're not as great as we think they are because they've lost those strange games in Biggie's play. But also, maybe they've been taking all this time to actually prepare for Villanova. <laughs> <laughs> It's been so long. Like, I can't believe that we haven't played this team yet. Them and UConn. But UConn was different circumstances due to postponements. Good. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I think the Big East was clearly thinking about, you know, trying to hype this up as much as possible. Fortunately, both teams lost last week. So, the, I guess the billing of it doesn't look as great. Obviously, we've only being three previously. And I think Creighton was, like, what, 12 or 11, something around there. So, obviously, you could have built it up a little bit more. But – Five against nineteen. That's a pretty pretty premier game for your conference, but yeah, to your point, <laughs> that is pretty funny. They had a trap month instead of a trap game. They just had a trap month where they just were just looking forward to Villanova game planning and just make, making sure that they'll uh, execute to the umpteenth degree and make sure they beat down Villanova at Creighton like they seem to do.
1: Yeah, they were just so shook. I guess we scared them.
0: I hope so, man. That would be that would be pretty funny. Like you just imagine, like McDermott just admits after the game. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we were planning for them for months. Obviously, you never <laughs> say that. But it, it is a nice little fun conspiracy theory.
1: We'll have to ask Alex Sindelar, Creighton Insider, see what the deal is. But this game on Saturday is set for 5 p.m. It'll be on Fox. so We're going to be on the Big Boy Network, big time. The real deal, not FS1, not FS2, not ESPN, but the Fox Network on Saturday, 5 p.m., Chris thinks is going to go 2-0 and after this week. I think we're going to go one-on-one, but my judgment may change depending on what we see tomorrow night. We'll see, though. It should be a fun week ahead. It's always great whenever we play Crane. It's always fun whenever we play Marquette.
0: Yeah, pretty exciting week, got to say. Two fun teams.
1: Yeah, and then after that, it'll be a, a week-long gap for Nova, which... I'm honestly anticipating another game to be scheduled in. We'll see what happens in between that Creighton and then that UConn game scheduled for February 20. But if I was everyone else, I would expect some sort of game to be scheduled in. Seven days, a little too long, especially when we got a lot of games to make up. Chris, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNpod or leave a comment in the comment section and we will discuss it on the air. Chris, we got a couple tweets here. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. John Paul May is kind of thinking, you know, he kind of read our minds a little bit, or maybe he wrote the outline. I don't know. But he wants to know what, if any, Big East coach will be looking for another job next year, and why is the answer Wojo if he loses to Villanova this week?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if Wojo loses his job over a loss to Villanova, but looking at Marquette's schedule though. If we really want to pinpoint when Mojo does get fired. They are on the road for their next five games. Villanova, Seton Hall, Butler, UConn, DePaul. If Marquette does not rattle off four wins in a row before the the DePaul game and they lose that DePaul game, he's gone. He's gone. DePaul has Mojo's number. It's actually kind of funny. But he would – I don't think Marquette would fire in midseason, but he's definitely gone if they lose that game. And I don't see any other Big East coach following suit. I think everyone's pretty much safe.
1: Yeah, I think of all the coaches in the Big East, maybe you can make an argument for Lato, but I don't think so just because of the recruiting and, you know, I mean, the recruiting alone that they have coming in over the next couple years is pretty astonishing. Mm -hmm. So watch out next year when they bring in all these four-star guys. But then you look at everyone else in the conference, I don't think anybody else is in jeopardy. Everyone else seems to be doing a pretty good job of pleasing their – schools. Ojo, though, on, on the other hand, I mean, we talked about how Marquette has kind of underperformed, and unfortunately for him and the Golden Eagles, the odds are stacked against them. According to Ken Palm, they're projected to lose five of their last six games. The only one that they're predicted to win is that game against Paul Chris, but not even Ken Palm thinks that's a gimme because he only has him as a 55% chance to win. Oof. Two-point favorite. Oof. I think the nail in the coffin will be the postseason. If they do not get out of the quarterfinals again, that's going to be a big problem.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, obviously, like, it probably won't happen. But let's say they do lose out, but then they go on a magical run in the Big East tournament. They win the Big East tournament. Like, obviously, I don't think you can them after that. But that's that's a good point. I do agree with you there, then. I, I think March would be the eventual death knell. But that a loss against DePaul would. That you're writing up is on the wall right there. there. <laughs> season, season sweep at the hands of the Blue Demons.
1: Oh yeah, no, if they get swept by Nepal, the Marquette fans will arrive with pitchforks and torches before <laughs> any official <laughs> decision gets to be made. Right. shout out to Anonymous Eagle. We see their pain every week. It's kind of sad, but at least they're funny about it. And the next set of questions. Is from Jerry Quinn. His first question is, are we seeing a changing of the guard in college hoops with Kentucky, UNC, Duke, Kansas, and UCLA all out of the top 25 for the first time since 1961? I don't know about that. I think for it to be a changing of the guard, maybe we might have to see more than one down year. However, it is definitely impressive. Well, yeah, I'd say impressive is the right word. That all five of these usually quote unquote big name programs are out of the top 25. And shout out to Dana O'Neal. I saw her tweet. She was like, oh, no blue bloods in the top 25 anymore. I'm like, come on, Dana. Dana, come on. Nova. You love Nova. <laughs> We're still sitting pretty in the top five. Come on.
0: You. you that was clearly the stir of the pot. Come on. Uh, she knows. Her, her
1: she ESPN knows. bots called in and was like, all right, just this one time. <laughs> Anti-Nova tweet. Just this one time.
0: I don't know. I don't think it's a changing of the guard per se. Could be just a. I think it's more of a coincidence that everyone's just kind of having a real down year. I mean, UCLA is like kind of floating around and with the top 25, they are receiving votes and they actually are ranked in the coaches poll. They're actually number 24. Yeah, Duke's, Duke shot, talking shot for this year anyway. And, but you know, with them, we know, we know their MO with their programs. All they need is one good recruiting class and it's right back to, <laughs> right the, back to how it was. So yeah, I, I don't think there's a, Guard change per se, but give it if this is still like this in like three years from now or two years from now. Yeah, there's it's officially switched hands. I would say
1: the other thing, too. And I, Chris, I honestly don't remember if we had this conversation on air earlier in the season or if this was an off air one because honestly, it all just blends together. But we talked about how for a team filled with one and duns or a lot of young guys, this is not. The best season to have that happen. There was barely any off season, a rush preseason. You have all these eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds, having to learn everything so quickly. They haven't really had the chance to assimilate into college life, so there were going to be a lot of growing pains. I just honestly did not anticipate it would be this big, but I think that that has been a byproduct of the limited off season, the rush preseason, and not that much non time to get used to things or figure things out.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely something behind it. I don't know, I don't know if it's the ultimate determinant, but it certainly is not helping. Yeah, we definitely had this discussion on Aaron Gino because I remember mentioning, I watched uh, Kentucky's like first game or first couple games and saw that Calipari press conference where he's like, yeah, blame me for everything that happens this year. This isn't on them. They've had like no time to prepare talking about his team. And obviously, we know Kentucky is all freshmen with the outside sophomore or junior sprinkled in. So you, you can tell Calipari knew going. It was going to be rough for them. So this is a perfect storm of just maybe not having the correct talent, I guess, or a not enough talent. And the fact that COVID exists and limiting all types of practices and preseason and non-con stuff and just weren't able to get ready in time.
1: So we'll we'll need to see a bigger sample size, see if it is a true changing of the guard. But like you said, Chris, I mean, they just had to open their eyes and put out a few tweets <laughs> which five star guys you <laughs> want to play for us. And then boom, reload. Boom.
0: That's right back to the way the way it was.
1: However, that doesn't mean we can't enjoy this moment while it's happening.
0: Oh yeah, no, Villanova's I'm relishing every minute of it. Yeah.
1: Do I notice a blue blood? See... Come on. Clearly. And the second question from Jerry is, you're an AD for a men's basketball team that has been ranked in the top 20 all season long. Do you play in your conference tournament? It's a hot topic, and it's definitely going to be a frequently asked question as we approach March, which, by the way, Chris, I just realized we're actually less than a month away from the end of the regular season. Can you believe that?
0: No. Thank God. Because March-, <laughs> March is here, it's it's fine, obviously. I'm not saying that because the regular season is a drag. I'm saying that. I mean, how do you not get excited about Conference tournaments and NCAAs.
1: Yeah. March 6th is the last regular season game against Providence.
0: Wow. I know every year, man. Every year flies by quick. But February usually is a little bit of a dragging month. But we'll we'll get there eventually.
1: Yeah, we do have a lot of games to make up, so we'll, yeah, we'll focus on March when it comes.
0: Yeah, a lot of basketball play.
1: Jerry's question.
0: Yeah, there's a question. What, what do you say?
1: Well, I think if you are if you got the one seed on lock, there's nothing really for you to gain in playing your conference tournament. Like, if you're a 2-3-4, if you're on that 2-3-4 line, why not? However, you already know, like, a team like Gonzaga, they're not going to let Pepperdine win. <laughs> like, they can see, right. They can play, and it'll probably be the same result, but they just don't want the formality of a school like Pepperdine or I don't even know who else is in their conference outside of BYU and St. Mary's, but one of those obscure schools to actually be called conference champions in the history books. <laughs> right, but
0: is that worth potentially risking your eligibility in the NCAA then?
1: These are all great questions.
0: See, it's, that's the game you got to play. Yeah, I, I don't know. That is a good question.
1: I know Jay Wright's already said that they're going to play.
0: Right. Yeah. Huh. I'm not surprised. We'll, we'll right. see. We'll we'll see. We'll reevaluate. But top 20, like, if you're Creighton, like, they're 19 right now. And, like, assume things stay relatively the same. I don't see why not you don't play. Kind of similar to your thinking, Eugene. But if you're Gonzaga or Baylor, why, why would you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're on the one line, there's really no reason for you to do it.
0: No, you're really thinking about it. Like, will Creighton really want to risk it? Like, is that being a three C that much more of an advantage than a four or five? Well, Chris, they what's haven't cool won a
1: Big East one? title yet, so there's incentive for them to to go ahead and do
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. You're that's good point, fair point. But what's the, what's the ultimate goal? Is it to win the Big East title, or is it to make some noise in the NCAA? I'm not. I'm not saying which one is more important. I'm just. Making a rhetorical statement there.
1: There are rings if you win the biggest tournament. <laughs>
0: I, know. I know. I've seen them. I've heard about them. I can't. I mean, I do believe that they exist, but I guess it's worth it if you can get that ring. But like, if you're on the bubble, like obviously.
1: Oh yeah, it. yeah. But but top twenty though, if you're an AP top twenty team,
0: it's such a tough call. I'd say yes, yes, as of now. But we'll see how things look in a month. But as of today, I'd say just just go. Build up your stock a bit. If you lose, you lose.
1: It's hard too because we don't really know how the NCAA is going to react to this. It this has never happened before, where you have teams opting out of the conference tournament. And not only that, it's an odd season, and there's that whole thing about the "quote unquote" eye test, whatever that means. So, <laughs> <laughs> will, will there be some sort of subconscious bias if you don't if you choose to opt out of your tournament? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm just waiting for the NCAA to drop the hammer and just be like, if you don't play. Like you're, We're dropping you an automatic like One or two seed lines based on What we originally thought you would be And then that'll that'll put everybody Back in, just watch
1: All I gotta say is if Kansas plays in the Big 12 tournament And wins and gets boosted to a two seed They're
0: <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the one thing I guess we, we kind of ignored With Jerry's question, Kansas is out of the Top 25, well, uh, yeah. despite losing Like 10 in a row
1: yeah, it's just like the Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid team. Oh, right. you guys lost nine, ten times? Oh, here's a two-sheet.
0: Two- two-sheet. <laughs> I can see it happening. Especially if Baylor drops out, Eugene, you never know.
1: Oh, stuff. I can't oh, even think about it. Oh, I can't even think about that. Oklahoma's
0: going to run out of magic. West Virginia is going to, I don't know, they'll either drop out or, or they'll play pretty mediocre or they'll lose early. Oklahoma State Kansas could be Oklahoma State. They'll go right in. They'll have a Mickey Mouse, Big 12 championship. There you go. Villanova's bracket. They'll be their seven or eight. No, it'll be the eight. They'd be the eight. Just watch. It's going to happen.
1: We're just going to have to wait and see. It's going to be a very interesting March between how the whole thing is going to go down to what teams actually opt out and how the NCAA will take that into consideration come March Madness time. However, in the meantime, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. As I mentioned before, apologies ahead of time. No episode on Thursday, so we'll be back at it on Tuesday. In the meantime, please subscribe to the show, stay in the Nova Nation or at View Hoops. Go look us up on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. You got many, many options. Please follow View Hoops on social media at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay at EREP5.
0: And I'm Chris Sanzio. I got nothing to promote. Just stay safe, everybody.
1: Well, it's time for me to go make a cup of coffee. In the meantime, everyone take care. Hopefully, we get this one on Wednesday. And hopefully, they can prove me wrong on Saturday and get this dub on the road at Creighton. That would be pretty impressive. And maybe we'll have some good news to talk about on Tuesday. Everyone take care. Have a good rest of the week. Chris, I'll see you next Tuesday.